So uh, you heard a bunch of announcements, or if you go to the 11 o'clock service, you'll hear a bunch of announcements. Just a couple additional announcements. October 5th is September 30th. Save the date, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Altar flowers sign up. Uh, we have no one signing up for altar flowers for the rest of the month, and we're, we have openings for the rest of the year in addition to those in September. Okay, so uh, we want to continue on um, some reflections from my sabbatical, being rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ is to be rooted in His Word. Today we're going to speak about rooted in Christ is to be a confessional Lutheran. We'll talk about this. This is not to disparage other Christians, but rather to speak the truth about God's Word. So what we're going to do is begin with the Catechism, the marvelous little section, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Um, hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? Together? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition How is God's name kept holy? God taught in its truth and purity. We speak about this often. It's so, so very important. Again, you know, my, my, my silly little sayings right here. You go to Walgreens and outside Walgreens, 98% of prescriptions are filled correctly. Okay. You know, go to Six Flags. 99% of riders were safe yesterday. Okay. Okay. A restaurant. 98% of, of, of people here did not get food poisoning. I mean, do you, do you see the point? Okay, or, or I'll put it another way. You know, what part of Jesus do you want me to speak incorrectly about? How do you want me to deliver Jesus wrongly to you? Zero. Zero. So the God's word taught in its truth and purity. Our Lord Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. All. In other words, whatever Jesus said, you, you follow. Law and gospel. Jeremiah 23. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. But let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What a strong cometh we, declares the Lord. Titus 1. One, for an overseer's God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for game, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also rebuke, rebuke those who contradict it. Acts chapter 17. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived there, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those of Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. In other words, testing all things by the word of God. Then finally, Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built in him, and established in the faith, 
just as you're taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the, of the world, and not according to Christ. God's word and his truth and purity. We speak that, and we just saw this with Matt Carlson's ordination the other day, and we see this, uh, for example, with the installation of our, of our teachers. We have uh, Ms. Clausen, Alex, who was said this in front of the congregation a little over a year ago, that these confessions I hold as my own. In other words, the, the, the Augsburg Confession, the Apology, the Small Court Articles, the Form of the Concord, the Large and Small Catechisms, uh, the Treatise on the prim Primacy, of, of the Pope. I don't think I said them in order, Judge. Pastor, I didn't, I didn't leave it. What? I, think, I, think I, I got them all, but I, I, I did not speak them in the correct order that, that, that the ordination vows or the installation vows for our teachers would speak. And the congregation, to be a Missouri Standard congregation, says these things teach in accordance with the Word of God. It is so good to have the comfort and surety that we have when, when law and gospel rightly divided. Rooted in Christ, rooted in confessional Lutheranism. To be a confessional Lutheran is to have the certainty and the joy of being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And knowing this from Scripture alone, we are blessed to have a clear confession of Christ in our Lutheran confessions. To be a confessional Lutheran is to have God's word in its truth and purity in the sacraments administered rightly. Hence, we spoke about in, in, in AC5 last week. And so, there's such a joy. There's such a joy. Now, this is not to say that there's not Christians of, of other groups. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. But when you look at God's Word, you have to say, what does God's Word say? And here I am. I was raised in Savannah, Georgia, and especially in high school. I, I associated with, with, the, with the more firmly, you know, Christian kids in, in the high school. I didn't want to be part of the, you know, the... the I don't want to be a part of the, either the juvenile delinquents, the druggies, or, or just the partiers, right? You know, I, I, so, but who did I hang out with? A bunch of what? Baptists and stuff like, like this, right? Non-denominations, some of this. And so I, I, I had to look as a Missouri St. Lutheran and say, why do we teach what we teach? Is it grounded in the Word of God? And, and it is. And so it's such a joy to know it's God's grace through faith alone. Scripture alone, in Jesus Christ alone, the comfort and joy, because it's all dependent on what God has given me and not dependent on me at all. Okay, so, so what we're going to do now is, is maybe take you a little bit through. So, so it, as opposed to sabbatical, in addition to like trying to revive my Hebrew, reading, reading Greek and stuff like this, uh, um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe and, and also explored uh, um, like some, uh, especially the, the, the small catechism more extensively, some sections of the large catechism and in, uh, in, in German, um, but, but especially reading God's Word, but also um, did spend some time in, in, um, in Europe um, to see some of these Lutheran sites and to understand better um, our Lutheran confessional heritage. Okay, so I'm going to show you some slides. The object is not to be a travel narrative, but rather to uh, um, help you to see um, a little bit, um, um, help you understand Confessional Lutheranism um, by understanding Luther and, the, and, and our Confessional Fathers a little bit better. Okay? And so I have a little timeline of Luther's life. In other words, born in 1505, entered the, the cloister, um, um, born in 1483, um, uh, 
1505, he, he was, uh, did his degree, but that's also when he, when he quits law school in 1505, enters the Augustine Cloistered Airfare, uh, becomes a doctor of theology, and teaches at Wittenberg, and you see some of the key dates right there. I'm going to show you some slides, I'm going to just continue on from there. Any questions or comments? I mean, I want to talk, and so, if, so it's, it's, in approaching this, I, it's, there, there's two problems I, I approach this with. I don't want it to be exactly travel log, but I also don't want this to be uh, just a biography of, of Luther and, the, and, and history of the Reformation. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to do a little balance between the, between the two, but also speaking of my personal, some of my personal thoughts that, that I had um, as I've seen these things. Um, 2016, some of you might have gone with me when we did the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Of course, when you have a group, being one group leaders, you get on the bus, you get off the bus, and you know, the bus says, you know, the, 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 the tour guide tells you, well, we have this long time, and then once you see the site, you might have 15 minutes, half an hour to wander around it, but then you gotta get back on the bus, right? Okay. Plus, as, as leader of the group, you're, you're trying to make everyone in the group feel, feel at home and stuff like this, and once in a while we have occasion, um, you know, that somebody had like maybe some physical needs or some of this that, that we had to attend to also. So I wanted to visit some of the Luther sites on my own terms, and also, I wasn't crowded. These sites are all crowded. It's not the father's anniversary. There wasn't a ton of buses coming up and down Wittenberg Street in, anymore. It's just pretty, sometimes, in fact, it's very, very much me, myself, and I in some of these sites at, at certain times of the day. So, rooted in Christ, rooted in confessional Lutheranism. Okay. Any questions, comments so far? Okay. Just a little map of, of Germany to help you out right here. You see Eisleben, that's where Luther was born. There, in his childhood, his, his parents moved to Mansfeld. I, I've never visited Mansfeld. It's a little bit hard to get to, so I've never visited Naumburg. Same thing. He went to school in Naumburg. Um, Erfurt, that's where he did his university training. And then that's where he was, be, he was in law school, dropped everything, and entered the Augustinian cloister in Erfurt. Um, um, right there. Eisenach is a town where um, that's right next to a place called the Wartburg, the Wartburg Castle where Luther was hidden. Okay, um, you see Worms right there, the Diet of Worms. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever been to Worms. Been to Heidelberg, that's where the Heidelberg Disputation, not gonna really show anything to you from that. And Marburg, that's where he had a dispute with um, a guy named Ulrich Zwingli about the nature of the Lord's Supper. And basically Lutherans, we say that it, what is the sacrament altar? It is the what? Body. True body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine issued by, issued by Christ himself for his Christians to eat and to drink. Notice we're true. Same year as Luther writes a small catechism, he writes on a table for Zwingli, this is my body. The same exact year. Okay? And so Luther, when he writes a catechism, that word true is very important in small catechism, because when you open your mouth, what are you receiving? The body, and when you take of that cup, what are you drinking? The blood, and that's very, very important for the forgiveness of your sins. And so, um, just a little thought, you know, a little bit later on, uh, south of Erfurt, there's gonna be a town called Coburg, it's not on this map, couldn't find that slide, and that's where Luther, he spends time in the castle there during the Augsburg Confession, because he was never allowed, after Berms, he was never allowed to leave his territory of Saxony. Speaking of which, I have a question. Yes. If you go back to that last 
That's a, I, and related to that, you know, how much uh, damage, if any, uh, was the East German regime due to those sites? The Lutherans, they didn't do an extensive amount of damage as much as neglect. But then again, they neglected almost everything. So the question is, what was the status of these sites that were in East Germany? Most of these sites, Wittenberg, Eisleben, uh, Mansfeld, Nuremberg, I don't know about Erfurt um, or Eisenach. Um, we're, we're in East Germany, and so obviously a lot of stuff, some, there was some tourism allowed because that brought Western currency to East Germany at the, at, the, at the time. So there were some tours to Luther sites, but obviously not much, and then, and then also a lot of neglect, but then again, a lot of things were neglected in East Germany. And, and I'll show you, for example, the very, uh, if we get to it today, a very large um, um, Lutheran, uh, a church, some of these Lutheran churches were totally re rebuilt after the war. Some of them were not rebuilt until after the wall fell, until the reunification. In other words, they were just left in ruins and now rebuilt. Some churches are actually still in ruins. Uh, for example, where, where was that? I think it was an airfare to my hotel. They, okay, right outside my hotel window, uh, there's a, a church that, that never repaired, bombed out, but they turned it into a theater, so it was outdoors, and they had a musical. And right my window, it's a nice night, so I have my window open, but after a while I close it because uh, uh, I just can't follow the German musical, but it's uh, something. <laughs> so, so uh, and they end it rather late, too. I think they, they, they had the curtain call at 11 or something like this. I was tired by that time. Okay, um, so a yeah, good question, and, and I can't answer a lot of that. So this is something called the Holy Roman Empire. There you go. There you go. And you see all the different colors because all these are individual, like dukedoms or lordships or kingdoms. You're like Bohemia is its kingdom, modern day Czech Republic, pretty much is Bohemia, um, but some overlap. And so, so it just so the emperor has a tricky thing because also the emperor is elected by seven electors. One of the electors is the elector of Saxony. Where did Luther live? Saxony. And so this is very, very helpful because this very, very powerful elector also likes Luther. And then, of course, later on electors actually were Lutheran, right? So Frederick never formally, and he just protects Luther, but, but John the Steadfast and John Frederick do actually personally espouse the, the Lutheran confession. Okay, so, so but you see this is a mishmash uh, of things. And by the way, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V is at the same time the king of Spain. This is, you know, post-Columbus and stuff of this, Magellan and stuff of this. And on top of it, to the south and to the east, you have the Ottoman Empire. And one thing that keeps Luther safe is that, for example, in 1529, the Turk had besieged Vienna. And then that had to be taken care of. And that's, re that's one of the reasons that the Augsburg Diet cannot take place in 1530. Why, why is it that that at the Diet of Worms, where Luther says, here I take my stand, and pretty much knowing he's executed, that gets away, he's hitting that war, but why doesn't the emperor deal with, with, with Luther? The emperor's got so many things going on, he, he, his nine years in that, and, and we praise God for those nine years, because it really helped to establish the Lutheran church. Okay, so, having said all that, now, there are two Saxonies. 
And one time there was one sacking, they got divided up and there's a little politics between the family. And so one son got, got the electoral, the other got Dougal Saxony, that plays that crazy problem during, you know, during the latter part of the Reformation. I don't want to go into that. But the red right there, that is electoral Saxony. And Wittenberg is in electoral Saxony, as well as Torgau and, and, and other areas. But you see it's broken up, the, the kind of gold is, is Ducal Saxony, and, and the, the problems between two, two Saxonies it becomes later on a problem in the Reformation, but not today. Okay, I just want to show you that. Um, and part of the things, you know, to show you all this, it's not to, I, I'm not trying to overburden your, your mind, it kind of blows my mind when I think about that, but, but all these people lived in a real time, real place, uh, real threats, for example, the bubonic plague is around. Uh, still, it's not the heyday of it, but, but at times of Luther's life, he has to face the plague, the Turks. Uh, you have all these things. You have wars going on in Italy called the Italian Wars. It's a messy, messy time. What are the geopolitics of 2023? Nice and clean? No, no. Very messy time. So real people live in a real time and real space. And Luther... Here's the gospel, reads the gospel, and speaks the gospel in real time, real space. Okay, a hundred years before Luther, this is in Prague. I was in Prague just overnight, kind of. Um, Prague, I just did, I said, why not stop in Prague one more time and just uh, and just find a hotel and then on my train ride, and then I was going to go on to uh, uh, Dresden the next day. So this statue, John Huss. John Huss was a reformer of the church. Uh, 14, he was given a free pass to the diet, right? Free pass, he gets to the diet, he gets arrested, and he's burned at the stake. So Luther, when he goes to Berm, about 100 years later, you know, this 1415, Huss is, is martyred. 1521, Luther at Berm. Luther, very much his mind has it that what happened to John Huss. He was given a free pass, and didn't work out too good for him, okay? So this is in, uh, in, in Prague right here, uh, the kingdom of Bohemia at that time, okay? Um, so this is in Eisleben in Germany. Martin Luther was born November 10th. He was baptized on November 11th. This is baptismal church. Um, he's um, named Martin Luther, L-U-D-E-R, because of the, the, the saint's day of November 11th, okay? 1483, by the way, he will die in the same town. Okay, his name was changed to, from Luther to Luther for the Greek word eleutherios, which means freedom. And one of the things that perhaps, I think you read this in Theology and Tap, but if you've never read it personally, the freedom of Christian, freedom of Christian man. So it's a, uh, a uh, the, the Christian is perfectly free, subject to none. The Christian is, is perfectly servant uh, of all, subject to all. You know, the two, and, and Luther goes into this statement to what he means by this. And we see this, for example, in our Lord himself, how our Lord made himself servant of all for our sake, even though our Lord is perfectly free. He makes himself servant of all. And so, so we are, are, are servants. And so, so this very much goes into Luther's uh, theology. So, so Luther speaks about the freedom of the Christian who's been set free from sin, death, and hell by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he changes his name to L-U-T-H-E-R. Okay, and hence, you, that's his various signatures of his life. Okay, so this is an air ferret. Obviously, uh, 
You're just going to put up with my, my right hand side, okay? So, so I, I can't, couldn't fit, I'm not going to fiddle with it anymore. This is just a, just a, the airfare, kind of a big town. Had the university there, okay? University is very important. And Luther was very smart. Get, uh, finishes, it goes, it's going to be a lawyer. Why is he going to be a lawyer? Because his dad has no pension plan. <laughs> Lawyers make money. Luther's a bright boy. And, uh, and so his dad was, was kind of a, um, kind of a upwardly aspiring uh, miner. He got to own several smelting places and stuff like this and was, had, was gathering a little bit of money. And so the baby coat, you know, no more like upper middle class, okay, Luther's background. Okay, they would send him, his dad was able to send him off to school and Luther's gonna be his lawyer, but Luther gets caught in a thunderstorm and that's it. Okay, this is just a picture of Erfurt. There's a hide up there. And Erfurt's very unusual because there's two massive Catholic churches side by side. The cathedral and another church side by side. It's hard to tell right here, but they're actually side by side overlooking the city. You climb up there and it's, and it's kind of quite a view. And this is actually a park that's even above that. So I climbed all the way up, up there um, to take this picture and just, it's got a picturesque. There you go. Okay, there's your travel log. How's that sound? Okay, okay. Um, and so Luther um, enters the Augustinian cloister. There's many cloisters at this time. And, he, and, and so, um, so don't, you know, if somebody says, okay, Luther says become a monk. He never really technically a monk. He's a brother. He's a friar. Not a monk, because monks will hide themselves in monasteries, but he's a friar, but we call him a monk. That's fine. That's he's fine. So he enters the Augustinian cloister. Now it's very important. Augustinian, because as an Augustinian, both the rigor, but also Saint the Augustinians, by studying at the Augustinian manner, he he becomes a little bit more familiar with such concepts as grace and, and faith. He's not only Lutheran, by the way, because this is the Augustinian. But it's very helpful as Lutheran is packed to becoming a Lutheran that he was an Augustinian friar or Augustinian monk. Okay? And so this is the chapel right there. And, and 2016 was it's kind of one of these neat experiences when, when we had our group there, just a bunch of Missouri Senate Lutherans. They allowed us to have our Sunday communion service in that, in that chapel right there. That's kind of cool to be. Um, to, um, however, it's kind of cool in one sense. The other sense, though, is that I don't want to romanticize that because in our sanctuary today, or our, if you're a sanctuary in, a, in, a, in Hamner, Ohio, this little uh, um, church outside, two miles out in cornfields, it's the same body, same blood, same word of Christ, right? Okay, and so we can romanticize being the church in other places, um, but at the same time, it's the same body, same blood, same word of Christ. But it was kind of, kind of interesting to be where, where Luther would have said his first mass. It's right here in his home. Thing. And where, uh, um, and he's petrified, by the way. Okay. And that's, that's when the outside, the, the, the chapel, the cloister. Again, no one was there. I just walked in. Just walked in. No one was there. It was completely empty. You know, no tour buses or anything like this. And, and no admission. I just walked right in. Walked around. Looked around. Left. You know, so it's very different than 2016. Okay. Wittenberg, Wittenberg. Luther, as an Augustinian, rose up in his Augustinian order. Um, and they transfer him from Erfurt to Wittenberg. And they want Luther, because they recognize in Luther, Luther is kind of this 
Now, whole hogger, you understand this? He's always whole hogger. He's one. He's, he's, a, he's his achiever. And so they, they sent him to study theology. And so Luther will become a doctor of theology and teach at the University of Wittenberg. And this is very, very important. And so he teach here. Um, and this is a rather new university. You know, so, so the concept would be, um, you know, a new university, you aren't going to, if we want to have a, a class university, and, and uh, we had North Central College, but let's say there's no college here in Naperville, and we just want a really, really fine university, we're going to be able to go out and just hire the best professors from the University of Chicago, right? No, 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 no. You, what you do is you find young scholars, and you get them to come to the university. So, so the lecturer wanted a fine university in Wittenberg. Remember the lecturer, he's a big wig and only remember it. He wants a good university. So he finds these young scholars, such as Luther and Philip Melanchthon, and he builds a faculty that way. Okay, and so it's a relatively new university. Um, it's founded before Luther gets there, but now he's gonna teach theology there, which means he has to actually look at the Bible. And what was also happening in Luther's time, this is very important, dovetails in the last week, is that now we have something called Erasmus's Greek New Testament. So when you teach the New Testament, you can teach in Greek. There's another German, Luther becomes familiar with as time goes on, named Reugling, they learn Hebrew from him. And so it's going back to the sources. One of the things about the, the, the humanism at the time is to go back to the sources. So Luther will teach from the Bible, and he starts to dismiss all these church, you know, the, the, the scholastics. And he's starting to look at the Word of God as the Word of God just by itself, okay? Now this doesn't mean that he, he, he's unaware of interpretation. He starts looking at it over and over again. And that's the, that's the tower associated with the, with the university and the castle church as you're walking from the main square um, east. And that's actually a, a real indulgence right there. Okay. You got to make, make it look fancy if you can pay your money, right? That's, that looks like a good way of getting out of purgatory, right? <laughs> and you hold that up. Look at this. Look at this. Look at all these ribbons, right? You know, look at these seals. Okay. So that's, a, that's, a, that's in the um, museum of the Luther house. Okay. And that's the door. Although it's not the door. The door burned down. Okay. So it's a, it's the, that's the site where, where the post in 95 Thesis would have taken place. Again, 95 Thesis, Luther's the university professor saying, I got a problem with this buying and selling indulgences. Now, if you read the 95 Thesis, they, they already are pushing back eventually against even the idea of indulgences, right? Okay, but Luther, at this time in 1517, is pretty much still Roman Catholic, okay, as far as his overall theology, but he's, he, but he's more he examines scripture. Some things are coming to his mind, um, and Heidelberg the next year, even more so, um, you know, he pushed out by 1519, later part of 1519, certainly by 1520, Luther now knows that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This you know by scripture alone. Now this is the castle church, it's the interior of the church. Okay, this is where the elector gets to worship. Pretty nice, right? Now they have statues in here to the great reformers like um, Luther and, and Bugenhagen and the other um, very nice as opposed to you'll, show, you'll see the interior of the town church where the, where the ordinary people Wittenberg would have worshipped. And that's Luther's grave right next to the pulpit. That's the, um, the Augustinian cloister in Erfurt. Okay, after the Reformation, they closed the cloisters because we don't have all this monastic system anymore, right? And so the elector gives the cloister to Luther as his house. Big house, right? He 
except in the central he there's all sorts of other things and so luther luther it's a constant burden for him to to keep the household going except he doesn't he's married to a marvelous woman called Catherine von bora and this is one thing you know of course the the whole how Catherine becomes his wife very interesting she basically um um selects luther right you know um this this former nun and and by the way she's nobility the von bora would indicate nobility and her and eight other nuns, and nine nuns in total, they leave the nunnery. Now, of course, this gives you insight into you know how nice the, the monastic system was. They have to hide to get out of the nunnery in fish barrels, empty fish barrels. And so that would have been quite an experience, right? You know, hide in a fish barrel and then get taken to Wittenberg, and and all the other nuns get married off. But she she holds out, and she's a marvelous wife for for dear Dr. Luther. Um, they have many guests, and she manages. They, they did all sorts of things in there. Now, yeah, most of the Luther house is more like a museum, you know, talking about Luther, his time, and sure this. This actually is a refurbished kind of, like what, there's only like a limited space where it look, would, would have looked like when Luther would have been there. Here's where this would have been like his, uh, his writing room where he writes and, um, at, at, um, at, at his house there in, in Wittenberg. Many years ago, um, his death cast of his hand was, was uh, or maybe a facsimile of it, was at, uh, in Rockford. Did anyone ever go and see that? Donna, did you go see that or some of this? In Rockford, they had a Luther display. His death mask, his death His hand, when he died, naturally went into this form. So he wrote so much, you know, because, you know, the, the muscle, you know, and rigor mortis said, and this is where his hands went, went to a writing position. Luther wrote so extensively, um, like, like that. Okay, and then this is just, again, desk. This is another, another view of, of his house. Um, any questions about Luther, Wittenberg, what he's teaching, um, how he became a Lutheran in his theology? It's very important to understand this. I mean, the more you understand him, it, it's, it's amazing because how Luther, you know, I'm, the more I've studied medieval theology, it just astounds me how, how radically different Luther is as far as coming to speak clearly that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, now obviously, certain things help, like the, the Greek New Testament, but to understand the righteousness of God as Christ's righteousness for me, and the, the, this, this Lutheran theology that we hold so precious, that sometimes we take for granted. It is utterly amazing what Luther is teaching, and the freedom of the Christian that we have because Jesus died and paid the full penalty for our sins, and we're saved by faith alone in him. Okay, so... Um, this is just a climb. I climbed to the tower of the Catholic Church, you know. And this is Whitbergs. You're looking at that. That's St. Mary's. St. Mary's, which is the town church, which you see in the distance. And that's part of that main square that you saw earlier. And that's the, the town church. Luther preached there quite often. He was not the pastor there. Johann Bugenhagen was the pastor. Um, but, but Luther was, was, would preach there quite often because uh, they'd have morning services, matches, so Luther preached there many, many times. He also had little devotional services in his house. His students would be at his house to lead matins or, or vespers from his house. So we have all these sermons of Luther from various times of where he was preaching, but that's the town church. And if you can imagine, you know, these peasants, you know, and I don't know how often they bathe, but, but uh, a summer day, non-air conditioned with that, it was very different than, than, the, than the Elector's church. But um, yet, after Luther dies, 
they have this beautiful altar put in. Uh, Lucas Chronic, the junior, there's a, the senior and junior lived in Wittenberg. And this beautiful, beautiful altar, and I, I have this altar over my desk. I have a, I bought a poster and framed it um, over my desk, showing word and sacrament. Uh, you see the bottom one, you see Luther, and you see the center. What do we preach? We preach Christ crucified. Top left, the, 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 the baptism. The middle one is the Lord's Supper, and the right is the office of the key, confession and absolution. So this is the chronic altar at, at, and, um, at, at St. Mary's. And very thing. And they, and there in Wittenberg, there is something, at least in the summertime, called, uh, uh, there's English services, kind of like this thing, where, where pastors can go over there and preach two Saturday evenings a month for, for one month in, in Wittenberg. I think they put you up for free in Wittenberg, you know, to do that. And, and so to pastors on vacation. So, so I attended one Saturday night. There's no communion some of this. They don't use the pulpit. We did attend a service there. But there will be a further congregational communion service at the, at the old Luther, old, old Latin school that I did attend on Sunday morning there. Um, but it's kind of neat to be in that church to worship that, where, where Luther preached so often. Um, this is the, the home of Johann Bugenhagen. Bugenhagen, uh, um, bless him, he, at first, he, he, when he first heard of Martin Luther, he said, this guy's a heretic. He's trying to read because he's, he's in another part of Germany. But he kept him reading Luther over and over again. I can't remember which document he read like, like 10 times over. He says, no, I gotta go to Wittenberg and learn. And he, and he becomes this faithful Lutheran pastor, and he's a pastor of St. Mary's. But also, Buchenhag would travel to other areas in, in Germany and as well as Scandinavia and help set up the, the Lutheran church body. Because so much, if you think of once you find out how, how do you set up a church? How do you set up the, the, the worship life? How do you set up the, the congregational life, the educational life of a congregation? Reformation, it, it's daunting. Buchenhag was very, very key in doing this at the time of the Reformation. Likewise, Luther's right-hand man at the university is a man named Philip Melanchthon, the author of the, of the Augsburg Confession and the Apology, and he was a humanist, and, and Philip Melanchthon, especially in Lutheran territory, set up an educational system that's marvelous. He was a very, very skilled educator, and his ideas in education still are somewhat influential in Germany today, although um, to a great extent the German education system's been, been taken over, obviously, by the modern world. But Philip Melanchthon was, was just so key, and, and he did give, he didn't do the sermon, but he gave an address at the occasion of Luther's death, and it's a very, very helpful address. <coughs> I'm going very fast. Um, any questions about Luther and, and, and his time? Yes, go ahead, Hardy. You mentioned the word apology, doesn't mean it. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, a word apology is a defense, a reasoned defense. To, you know, so from logos, which is the Greek word for, for word, and, and so, so, so it's give, an apology would be give a reasoned defense. And so, and so we see this, that we are, in 1 Peter chapter 3, we are to be able to give a reasoned defense to, for the faith. Okay, it's not good enough, oh, I just believe in Jesus, to, to somebody who doesn't believe in Christ. We have to think carefully. From God's word, but also the reason God has given us to answer questions about the faith. And so, so the, the Lutherans, okay, Luther obviously wrote, and we'll look at this, we have a slide. The Lutherans, the Lutherans have this Augsburg confession. You know, the emperor says, what are you guys doing? 1530. And, and the Lutherans say, here's what we're doing. And, they, and the first 21 articles, 
is written in a way, well, obviously every Christian must believe this. Well, no, no. Such a justification by faith. And so, and then that already, at the time of, of the Diet of Augsburg, Catholics had already wrote this refutation. Boom! In other words, they were refusing to hear it, the Augsburg Confessions. So Melanchthon, very quickly, within a few short months of, of, the, of the Diet of Augsburg, writes something called an apology. And, and, and again, first of all, read the Bible, inside out, just know God's Word. But one document that I would strongly recommend for you to read as a, as a Confessional Lutheran is to go on the Apology of the Augsburg Confession and read Article 4 on Justification. If you, if you, in the Confessions, I mean, Patrick, is that a good idea? And so I think it's a great idea. Just read the Apology, Article 4. It's very long. I mean, it's like probably 75 pages or something like this. I mean, but it's very long. I don't know what I have no idea. I mean, you know, pages. But it's pretty long. But, but Melanchthon in there goes really deeply to help us understand justification by faith, which has to do with Article 4, the very simple paragraph we read last week in our class. Okay, so, um, so that's Philip Melanchthon's house. And, and by the way, um, one thing I paid attention to, maybe because of my age now, maybe because I've, I've had to do so many funerals, but reading both at Luther's death house in Eisleben, but also Philip Melanchthon's house, the descriptions of their death and how they confessed Christ as they lay dying. Okay, and the firm found faith that they had in Jesus Christ. And the comfort that the gospel brings at the moment of death. It's very, very touching. Again, you know, you see my numbers that keep on increasing year by year, and so, but also the number of funerals. You know, I've come back from Sabbath and already had two funerals. And so, um, you know, this is, but we live in a world where eventually we all will pass from this mortal, from this mortal age. And most of us, if Christ has to come first, it's going to be by our own death. And to be faithful to Christ unto death and have that sure foundation of gospel Jesus Christ is so, such a comfort for you and me. Okay. That's the home of Lucas Cronick. Again, the senior and a junior. And Cronick, man, they were quite businessmen. And they, they, but they put out a lot of good church art. And that was also to help to support the Reformation. I didn't find the place where, where the printer was. Because Luther was very noted. Luther took advantage of the printing press like no one had up until that point in time. It's estimated that, that um, at one time in the, in the Reformation, 25% of, I think, of all printings, was was due to Lutheran Lutheran uh, little he put out these little bullet point things very short essays twenty five percent of all paper that was printed on was Luther stuff I, th I think stuff like this because Luther just took advantage of this new media called the printing press to disseminate um, Lutheran theology okay and that's Dr Robert Kolb and his wife Pauline uh, Dr Robert Kolb is professor emeritus from uh, St Louis Seminary he's a he's a world renowned Luther scholar. He's also very interested in, in, in missions. And uh, we, many years ago, you might remember, we brought Dr. Cole to Bethany to talk about missions and, and how we as Lutherans can speak the gospel. But he's also a Lutheran scholar. He goes over to Germany every single year. When he's called to the St. Louis Seminary, part of his call is that, that I will get to study in Germany every Sunday summer. He, he publishes extensively. Right now he's in Germany. He's researching now a companion, there's a Joachim Morland, I think is the guy's name, or Morland, or something, I, I have it written down, who was very, very close friends, he's a pastor, very close friends with, with Martin Chemnitz, 
And there's one that was very influential with Martin Chemnitz, who, who's one of the authors of the Formula Concord. And so he's doing all this research, he's telling me about it. And of course, a lot of it's over my head, but still interesting. Very gracious man, so I enjoyed. When I, most of the time, when I was in Germany, it was by myself, um, but I did meet up with Dr. Kolb and his wife. And um, one of the two days I spent with, with, with them in, in Wittenberg, um, and he had already told me, I kind of, I kind of arranged, he had earlier told me when he was to be in Wittenberg when I started, first started corresponding with him. I started corresponding with him last, last fall to get ideas of how would I use my sabbatical if I go to the Luther site. And then, then he told me his days and so I met up with him. Um, in Wittenberg, this is after, after Luther dies, they, do, they developed something called the Old Latin School. Melanchthon's very influential in, in establishing this. The Old Latin School, and now the Missouri Senate and other confessional bodies have taken this over and refurbished it, and so you can now uh, do Lutheran studies in Wittenberg. By the way, Wittenberg didn't stay Lutheran too, too long, actually, if you look at the history of the Reformation. Wittenberg very quickly lost it's Lutheran status after the Reformation, after Luther's time. Okay, and so this is a this is a place where you can actually be a, a confessional Lutheran in Wittenberg, studying Lutheran sources, but also a lot of the work is, is, is in England. So so American pastors go over there and study also. But but I was not able. I was thought maybe I could find housing there. No, couldn't find housing there because they're housing Ukrainian refugees at, at, at there. And so and so um, and so they actually have. Um, in the chapel, I went to the, there's the service of the English, and Dr. Cole was the preacher, we have the sacraments administered by Dr. Weber, who's the head of the Latin school, okay? Um, but they actually have a second service in the morning, the Ukrainian service. And I met some, some of the Ukrainians, and there's one, uh, there's one Ukrainian lady I met, but she was, she was totally bilingual, you know, so, uh, you know, was at the earlier service, the English service, but, but, but how to put in the aspect of being with other of the Christians throughout the world. Okay. Any questions or comments right now? Yeah, go ahead. No, no. Wittenberg did not revert back to Catholicism. That's an excellent question. Excellent question. What happened is you saw that little map of the Ducal Saxony and, uh, and Electoral Saxony. The Ducal Saxony um, prince, well, actually, might have, well, at the first part, it might have. Going back to after the after the Catholic came in and smashed everything up in 15 latter part of 1546, then it might have turned back to Catholic, but eventually in the latter part of the Reformation, um, it becomes reformed. You know, and and reformed in other words, uh, uh, and Calvinist influenced professors take over the take over the university. You know, so that 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 happens a little bit late, much later on. But yet, immediately with, after the after Catholics invade the, the Lutheran land, might have reverted back to Catholicism. But later on, the problem is is that the faculty become associated with Reformed theology, and, and there's a at, at first at first there's a revision back to Lutheranism with the. Okay, I don't want to get too much. Deep, but then later on, so much after the form of the contract comes out, it it becomes reform period um, and then later on it's a uh, um, of course German theology becomes nothingness later on I mean, that's, that's a whole, whole another thing what happens with Germany and German theology and that's why there's a Missouri Senate I mean that's a whole another thing what happens right there so any other questions come on to see what, what I have next oh, okay um, um, that's Wartburg 
That's where Luther, after the Diet of Worms, the emperor, and Luther, the emperor tells Luther through his spokesman, you gotta take back all your writings, period. And Luther says, no, I'm not gonna do that. As I quoted last week, unless you convince me of the word of God and right reason, to go against scripture is neither good. It's not good. So I'm not gonna quote, I had it written down and my memory fails me right now the exact quote. But, he, but Luther says, I, I'm not gonna take it back. Well, then he's taken, his elector kidnaps him, puts him in this castle, and uh, again, it's near Eisenach, and that's the old part. The other part to the left is newer construction. The white part is the older construction where Luther would have been. And there's uh, this young guy right here. So, um, and they had school groups still going. That's the older part right there from the, from the interior of the Wartburg. And there at the Wartburg, Luther does not waste his time saying, oh, I want to get out. Oh, no, woe is me. They're going to kill me if I get out of here. But Luther spends his time translating the New Testament. Translated the New Testament, and he'll revise that, and then later on, by 1534, have the entire um, Bible, the, the, the German Bible, translated. Um, and we'll stop right there. I think. You know, I have two I have more slides. We'll have more slides. We'll also teach next week. Any other questions before I go on? I, I still have, I have too many slides to do in, in three minutes. How's that? Okay. Okay. Uh, any questions, comments? Was this helpful? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, again, I, did, I, I had the border between, I don't want to do a travel log, but I also don't want to do an exact history of, of Luther and the Reformation. Um, so, so that's kind of my approach this week. Next week, we're going to continue with rooted in Christ as confessional Lutherans, but also what does this mean in terms of living out our vocation with some of the things I thought of when I was uh, on my sabbatical, as, as I want to be a faithful pastor, father, grandfather, husband, and citizen in this world. God bless all of you. Christ is risen. He is risen.